Adult content intended for an adult audience only. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. Contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link above to further support this writer. X-Ray Vision Part 04 by Elaine Mature I measured out three heaping spoonfuls, way too much tea, just like Fawn liked, put the lid on the pot. This stuff was gonna be undrinkable. And no sugar in the place. I waited the three minutes, using his old mantle clock to keep time. It was a fancy thing, but with a parquet veneer, meant for a fancy house. Fuang had it on top of his little refrigerator. Time's up. Put the pot on the table, on a little trivet. Fuang gestured for me to sit. So I sat. He indicated I should pour. So I poured, first into his cup. Like Kang said I picked up his cup, held it by three fingers, two on the bottom and one balancing the rim, handed it over. He took it the same way, blue, sipped a tiny sip, nodded. Good. Now I could pour mine, blow, take a sip. Smiled despite the glow starting somewhere behind my eyes. The things I do for my grandfather. But Fuang is a dear, he likes me, this is all going to be okay. I'm just nervous because I want it to go well for him and it's my first time. Granddaughter! I grinned, I still love it when he calls me that. He cracked a smile as well, I think he was as pleased as I am. Looking more stern. It's time you learned of the duties of a respectable wife in a Vietnamese family. My turn to respond, like in church. Yes, Ong Nguai. I nailed the pronunciation. Thank you, Kang. You have been raised as an American, so do not know the correct things, the duties and expectations. That is understood. I will be tolerant. As a grandfather should be. This stuff worked both ways, I was glad to learn. As long as I tried, he would put up with me. He paused, unsure of the next part. I am a traditional Vietnamese, old and inflexible king tells me. So I understand you may find me difficult at times. Please be tolerant as well. That cost him something to say. I put out a hand, touched his, smiled. We're all friends here. Family in fact. This was going to be okay. This was a new thing for us. Unexpected American granddaughter for him. Surprise sister and grandfather for me. We both were invested in it. Both wanted it to work, with all our hearts. He, because his lesbian granddaughter would likely never provide him with great-grandchildren. And me? Because I wanted, needed a family. I had thought I didn't. I could do without like I always had. When Kang informed me I was her sister, something in me grabbed onto that with both hands. Like a lifeline, I had been drowning and now I was saved. Sounds dramatic? Consider, not long ago I had been standing in the surf ready to swim out, never look back. No family, no friends, no money, no future. A kind stranger offered help, food and a bed, sympathy. No strings attached. Now I was a girlfriend, a sister, a granddaughter. And I wanted it all, would do everything needed to make it work. For all of us. And oh, by the way, my boyfriend has superpowers. He can see through stuff with x-ray vision. Not really. He just sees it all. It's right in front of his mind's eye. Even in the dark. Even with his eyes closed. Kang calls him a hungry ghost. Grandfather Fuang says he's a spirit medium. I don't know how it works. And it doesn't matter. He's a nice guy. Kind in all the ways. He finds things. Just by looking. Money. Discarded or lost or left someplace. My shoes. When I've forgotten where I put them. Where they keep the pop-tarts at the grocery store. Whatever you want. Kang says Greg found me. Her long lost dreamed about sister. Because he's the finder. Not a biological sister, a sister in spirit. Anyway we've decided it's a fact, we're sisters, Fuang has two granddaughters now. And Greg is courting me with Fuang's permission. So I'm here, learning the duties of a granddaughter slash prospective wife. Because Greg loves me, I'm sure of that. And I want to take the next step, all the steps from here on. Grandfather had started, pay attention girl. A wife must run the household, make purchases with care, to preserve the family monies. Yes Ong Nguai. Ha. Greg has all the money he wants, more whenever he cares to go look for it. Greg and I have agreed. I will have the chore of spending it. Because he hates stores. Too much to see all at once. Per baby, his special sight is sometimes a curse. I did like a bargain, and that hasn't changed just because we have limitless resources. Growing up poor, we do appreciate our special circumstances. 
So yes, I can perform that duty without reservations. A wife bears children for her husband, for the family, when the family desires and can support them, or the fates intervene. Yes, Ong Nguai. I was frankly terrified of having children. My childhood had been a train wreck. How could I be a mother, when I'd never had one? And Greg. Seeing his child grow in me, day by day. A blessing. Unless something went wrong. Then he'd witness the tragedy unfold, helpless to do anything. Like he'd had to watch his parents die of cancer, alcoholism. Fuang saw that I had reservations. He reached out, put his hand on mine, squeezed. Whether he understood my fears or not, he cared that I had them, wanted to comfort me. That would be something. Whatever happened, we'd have family to help. That was new to me, and would take some time for me to work out. A wife cares for, educates the children so they may grow and prosper, and assume their duties in time. Yes, Ong Nguai. That was gonna be a blast, should Greg and I have children. What if some were like him? With a parent to guide them, help them understand from the beginning, instead of facing it ignorant and fearful like he had, imagine what they might do. A wife strives to provide all things necessary for her husband, letting him lack for nothing in the home. Yes, Ong Nguai. Kang had mentioned that one. Why marry unless you want to do that already? And Greg, provide for me too. He had proved himself willing to do that since the moment I met him, and every moment since. A slam dunk. A wife comforts and administers to a husband, with her body and her skills. I grinned at that one. Yes, Ong Nguai. I was looking forward to comforting Greg. Imagine what a man who saw how every touch, every stroke affected you inside and out, how wonderful that could feel. Kissing Greg was already breathtaking. Sex with Greg was gonna be epic. A wife cares first for her husband and children, and then for her grandparents, parents, brothers and sisters. Yes, Ong Nguai. Greg and I have zero parents between us, zero siblings, aunts, uncles, cousins. It was just the two of us against the world, until Kang and Fuang appeared. I loved my sister Kang, with all my heart. She is a firecracker. I've learned so much, and have so much to learn from her. She is finally happy since Greg found the sister she'd always known she had. Greg had already pledged to support me, Kang and Fuang so long as I would let him. So everybody on the same page there. A wife relies on her family, for all they are expected to do, in accordance with their duties. Yes Ong Nguai. That one was gonna take some getting used to. When Greg had offered me help, when I was at the bottom, I reacted badly. I was suspicious, fearful. Nobody had done anything like that for me, ever. Even Kang, my sister that I love, when she said she was making me a dress I was hesitant. Why? I don't know. It makes no sense. She wanted to do it, I wanted it. Still I resisted. Gonna take some practice, accepting help, love, gifts of time and attention. Now he threw a curveball at me. You have heard me speak of the duties of a good Vietnamese wife. Can you now tell me what they are? As you understand them? Panic. What if I miss one? Will he be disappointed with me? I didn't know there would be a quiz. Take a deep breath. Fuang wants me to succeed, wants me as a granddaughter. He'll correct me if I slip up, with kindness and good grace. Yes, Ong Nguai. I bent my head as a dutiful second granddaughter should, humble and respectful of an elder. A wife should spend household monies carefully, and avoid waste. A wife will have children as we desire, love them, care for them and teach them their duties. A wife cares for her husband, rubs his back when he's sore, sleeps with him, when he's affectionate or troubled, laughs and cries with him. A wife loves her extended family too, making sure they are safe and loved, supported and listened to, respected. Because they are going to do that for me, and it's only right and fair. His face lit up, all wreathed in smiles and joy. Pride maybe? That felt good to see. You understand. Yes, you are a fine woman, and I'm proud to call you granddaughter. You will be a beautiful, dutiful wife for someone, and they will feel joy to call you family. As I do. He leaned forward impulsively to where I sat, kissed my forehead. I looked up, pleased and happy. I went to him at his seat, crouched, hugged him. He patted my back contentedly. All was right with the world. Gregory. I'm supposed to be helping people now. Jillian's idea to get me in the community, doing good. That's her thing I think, doing good. Probably from having such a raw deal herself. Whatever the reason, she's promised a kiss for every good deed I do. Which is no kind of motivation theoretically, but every kind in reality. Good deed kisses were the best ones. I had my breast cancer screening flyers as always. Stopped by the hospital for some addiction helpline ones. Got some sympathetic looks, but nothing new, 
and I have no reputation to sully. It seemed obvious that I should have lots of opportunities to help people, superpower and all. But now that I'm out here, what is that exactly? I'm no Superman, solving crime or saving lives in the nick of time. What else then? My cancer screening flyers had an abysmal rate of return, or so I imagine. They don't get a good response. Mostly annoyance. But help one person, that would make it worth it. These new flyers could be worse. Addicts are notoriously bad at self-management. If I found somebody in public with a friend, I could give it to the friend? Still chancy. A guy pulled up to the curb, parked in a newer model car. One fuel injector was not working, ejecting fuel unburnt. It gave a fuff. Noise as the engine stopped. I might help this guy. How do you like your sedan? Pretty nice. He paused at the meter, unsure, looked at me. It's okay. Not got the power I expected. I nodded, like I was an expert or something. I didn't even know the model without looking at the badge. Fuel injector, sounds like number four, nearest the right fender. Stuttering, you can hear it if you're standing out here. He perked up. Really? It's still under warranty. Hey, thanks. I nodded, one car guy to another. He walked off whistling, happy to have some explanation for his dissatisfaction. Pretending to hear his problem was inspiration. I didn't have to seem like a guru or quote stats, just lucky to be standing here. Glad to help. Okay, not world saving but I'm gonna count it. That's one. Downtown, lots of shops and stands. What kind of problems did people have here? Mostly shoplifting, from my experience. Couldn't walk through the area without somebody leaving a shop, hiding something in their shirt. Right there that young lady has three pair of panties on. What could I do about that? Accost her? That'd be creepy hey girl you have too much underwear. No, not gonna go that route. And telling the staff, about the same problem. I was peeping in the changing room at a young girl, and saw her putting on three pair of panties. Nope. Whoops. Almost missed her. Clerk in the bookstore, not very large yet. I haired in, handed her the breast cancer screening flyer, smiled, said good day. Before she could read it. I saw her looking at it once I was outside, putting one hand to her breast at the right spot. She was already aware of the lump. Maybe a win there. She stared at the door as if wondering how I knew. Never mind any thanks. I would get reward enough back home. That's two. A big one. Not Superman, but still helping save lives. A pickpocket working the transit stop. Had two wallets in his jacket one was probably his, the other stolen. Was working his way into a crowd waiting for the local. Had targeting a business type, standing too close, inching his hand toward the coat pocket. There was a wallet in there. How did he know? The way it hung, the weight of it I suppose. I interrupted. Sir? Do you know when this bus is expected? Is it late? He turned bringing his jacket around, the pickpocket thwarted for now. Not late yet, supposed to be a long ride about now. On signal, the bus rounded the corner down the block. Leaving I saw the pickpocket get on the bus. So my good turn was probably thwarted, not gonna count that one. Likely the guy would find his wallet missing later, not remember the pickpocket but remember me, think I had something to do with it. Sigh. Should I confront pickpockets? they just deny it. I didn't think I could challenge them to empty their pockets in public anyway. And who knows how it would escalate if I did. Have to think more on that. It was a tragedy, pickpockets on a bus. That was the people who could least afford the loss. Exhausted moms out shopping with kids at home. Tired workmen coming off shift. It was a cruel act, robbing them. They pay for the bus, maybe have no way to pay to get home. Gave me an idea. The bus depot was the other side of downtown, a converted warehouse near the river. I took the walk. Do you sell passes? I asked the little guy behind the counter. Daily, weekly, monthly? He quoted the prices. I'll take ten. Monthly. He raised his eyebrows, but took my money, handed over the passes. A card, fit in your wallet, color-coded so the driver could tell it was still good I suppose. Anyway they were all blue. They're only good for this month. He warned me. I nodded thanks. Back to the bus stop, look for somebody alone without much in their wallet. The tired stance, sore feet, bent back that always came along with overwork. Ma'am? Did you drop this? I offered a blue pass. She shook her head no. Bless her heart. So easy to grab it and lie. Well, there's nobody else here. Do you want it? It'll just go to waste otherwise. That was too tempting. She reached out slowly, took it, looked at the label, smiled. A whole month of bus rides free. 
It meant something to her. Thank you. I smiled, shrugged. Couldn't go to a nicer lady. Standing straighter already, she put her change back in her wallet, put the card in a transparent sleeve so she could just flash it at the driver. Three. I'm counting this one. It wasn't my superpower, just money, but that came from my scavenging skills so a win anyway. Have to unload them soon, or they'd expire. If I didn't find enough candidates in the next day or two I'd just spread them around on bus seats. Somebody would benefit. Jillian came in the door, confident, happy to be home. Hello, big guy. How did it go? She wasn't asking about anything in particular. She didn't know what I'd been up to today. But since she asked first. I helped three people today. I detailed my successes, left out the pickpocket incident for now. She was beaming when I finished, came out of her room having stripped and redressed for an evening at home. Coming right up to me she faced me. Are you ready? I grinned, nodded yes. Like a good boy. The first kiss was quick, sassy, in and out. What? A resounding approval kiss. The second took longer, was warmer, pressing lips more gently, then firmer. MMMHHHH, and a sigh for a finish. Nice. The third was a doozy. In with parted lips, tongue ready. MMM smack. Squelching and sucking of tongue and such. I flushed, I admit I was stiff. Happy and stiff. Took a second to recover. What happens when I help four people? She laughed, touched my nose. Try it and see, horn dog. Bit her lip, looked at me fondly, made a decision. We're going out Friday. Get your going clubbing clothes ready. This was new. But what did it portend? I didn't argue, just said. Okay. She'd been wronged by a guy, misused and abused, just before we met. We'd been boyfriend and girlfriend for some time now. So far, love and cuddling and kissing was the sum of it. Still slept in separate bedrooms. I wasn't arguing. This stuff was nice, she was nice. But to do anything else she'd have to feel right about it, recovered from her traumatic experiences. Then we could make new memories, wash out the hurt, paint over it with positive experiences. And I'm thinking she might be ready. One step at a time, at her pace. Still I got excited. I am a horn dog, it seemed. Over toasted cheese sandwiches and wine, one of the few suppers I know how to make, we sat on the porch and watched the sailboats coming in. Days were getting shorter, and soon the porch would be too cool to sit out. I gave your phone number to some bartenders. I laughed. Kind of like a call me for a good time thing? She leaned over, whacked me on the shoulder. No, for when they find some poor misused, out of luck kid. They can't handle them, just send them away. I asked them to call, and I'd deal. Some of them might believe me. I nodded, thinking. It only takes one, you follow through, the word will get around. Then they'll all likely trust you. I could see it. She had been nervous about this, was gratified I was totally on board. It was important. It was important to her. So it was important to me. She nodded. It only takes one. Kids like that. And she didn't say kids like me, like I was. Kids like that make the rounds. They eventually will find the one bartender that trusts me. They still have to make the call. She made a wry face. That was indeed a hitch. Kids that had been let down might not be anxious to sign up for more letdown. I didn't give it much hope. But she had to try. That was in her nature, to want to help people. Part of why I loved her so much. Jillian it didn't actually take long. The phone was ringing next evening as I walked in the door. I kicked off my shoes, made a dash for the phone. Didn't know how many rings I'd already missed. Hey. Um. This is Jillian. Hello? Quiet on the other end, then a small voice. Yeah, Trevor gave me your number. Something about a job? Trevor was the first guy I'd given my, our, number to. He'd almost thrown it away. Yeah. I have jobs, a phone desk, pretty much banker's hours. Pay is not great, but no obligation either. Stay a while or a month, no issue. Training is simple and short. Okay. I can do that. What do I do now? Let me come down and meet you, get you settled? Maybe find some lunch, my treat. How's that sound? I could actually hear their relief over the phone a shaky breath. Lots of desire in that. Probably hungry. Some despair. My heart wrenched. That would be great. Where? You like barbecue? There's a Dickies on my end, uh, the south end of the strip. I can be there in ten minutes. Tall, blonde, sharp dresser. How will I recognize you? I didn't actually know if this was a guy or gal or identified some other way. Didn't matter, except for trying to find them. Uh, skinny, black hair. Hungry look. 
Could make jokes. Good, self-respect not entirely crushed. This was going to be one of the easier ones. Let me pee, wash my face, I just got home from work. Then I'll head out. See you in ten. They hung up without another word. Not terribly talkative. The season is ending, clubs are closing, just a couple open for the remaining off-season parties. Keeps the crowd thick, the energy up. I'd expected maybe having to wait until spring break, the unofficial opening of the irresponsible young adult season. But now my first desk filler was here. If I work this right. If they stayed for more than a couple of days. If they trusted me. Anyway, shake off the self-doubt. I could feed them, maybe find them a room. Or a bus ticket home, if that was the right answer. A job would be gravy. I peed, washed my face, decided on the beach shoes. Grabbed a wad of cash from the fishbowl. Scribbled a note to Greg by the phone, saying where I was, when I'd likely be back. Folded it, leaned it against the toaster. Picked it up, stuffed it down the couch cushions just for fun. I spotted them from the boardwalk, just hanging out looking at the posters. Food motivated, couldn't look away. I'd been there. Stomach aching, looking at food, so near but so far. We'd not exchanged names. Had I? I think I answered Jillian, but never heard a name from the other end. I walked up behind, made some noise. She turned. A woman. So now I knew. Hi. Jillian. She saw my hand, reached to shake belatedly. Cold hands, must have been hanging outside most of the day. Let's get in order. I'm starved. Not really, I would actually eat later with Greg, but would order something to be sociable, make them not feel so conspicuous. I found an idle cashier, turned to, um, what's your name again? Sorry, my mind is a sieve. Nick. Okay, Nick. They have great brisket, but I hear the chicken is good too. Oh, ribs. That sounds nice. You're not vegetarian? Nick shook no decisively. You been here before? No, again. Let's do it this way. A quarter pound brisket, a quarter pound pulled pork. Chicken too. Box of biscuits, coleslaw too. Two drinks. And pickles. I love their pickles. This last aside to Nick. Cashier took my order, took my money, gave me a little flag for the table, two empty cups. We headed for the drink robot, waited our turn. Nick loaded up on high sugar soda, mixed several kinds. No ice, more fit in the cup that way. I got a diet something. Nabbed the table away from the others, in a corner by the window. Door just behind us, so Nick could feel free to leave at any time. I set the little flag on the end of the table. Sipped at my cup. Let Nick fill up on pop, clearly needing fluids, clearly running on empty. She emptied it, went back, refilled, came back to the table. Dickies is fast. Our tray came, a pound and a half of protein, carbs and vegetable matter. I unloaded it, nabbed two empty plates from the service station. Dig in. We finish this, there's always more. Nick dumped half the brisket on her plate, got a hot biscuit, dug in. I let her be. She'd had a rough time, and talk could come after. I nibbled on some chicken, crunched a pickle, sipped my drink, just observed. A leather jacket, knit shirt under plain, no band logo or ad. Not from the strip shops, must have arrived in these clothes. Some kind of half-boot thing, zipped up the side. I like boots. Short black hair, narrow face, small features. Over five feet but not by much. Rangy, some meat on her, might be strong. Not effeminate at all. I could see why Trevor took the risk on me Nick looked like she could take care of herself. When she stopped stuffing for a moment, took a drink, became aware of her environment again I tried on some conversation. So how you know Trevor? I knew how. I was just making small talk. Trevor is cool. I just met him the other day, asked for work. He didn't have anything. The season is pretty much over. After a couple days of this he said call Jillian. She might have work. Here I am. I listened, nodded. I do. It's a phone desk, answering calls from pushy lawyers and their clients. A bail bond service. I work there too, half days on phones, half days recruiting. Lots of turnover, not a great job but hey. Her gaze flickered over my outfit, back, not giving anything away. But she knew I didn't dress like this on minimum wage. I'm the office manager, work for the boss doing what she doesn't have time for. But we're short-handed, so I work the phones too. That made sense to her. She eyed the remaining food, aware she'd eaten most of it. I nodded, go ahead. So she dumped the remainder on her plate, took her fourth biscuit, waited back in. When every single crumb was gone, the pickles included, she sat back with her cup, finally content. 
burped, looked alarmed. Was that uncool? I laughed. Good one. Friends here. So, I don't have a place. That was often a deal breaker for employment. She was laying her cards on the table. I know a place. Some of the gals live there. Kelly, for one, she introduced me to the fams, the couple that run it. A room upstairs, old Victorian house up the hill. Beautiful place, older but well-kept. Bathroom in the hall, dinner on the table every night. That last sold her. Regular food meant relief from pressure to find a job, to get her life sorted. She nodded. It costs maybe your first week's pay, but due at the end of the month. I know. Mrs. Pham has her ways, us mortals not to question. She laughed, easy and comfortable. I think she was sold. You have to pass her muster to get in. Some concern. She wants polite people, respectful, for her and Mr. Pham. He's a victim of the war, lost a leg. That a problem? She shook her head, no problem. I'll take you by later, if you're still interested. A nod. But first a few things. She got wary at that. This was where I might lose her. You got people around here? Somebody worried where you are. Nobody. I came out with the band, a roadie. The van belonged to my girlfriend. A challenging look at that. I wasn't gonna bite. Go on. The bar reneges. Not enough customers. Wouldn't pay gas. Wouldn't pay anything. Put us up one night upstairs. A real dive. I woke up. She was gone. The band was gone. The van and equipment gone. My wallet was gone. That sucked. I said so. She shrugged. Folks back home? You want to make a call? They called me a dyke, threw me out with nothing. No, I don't have anybody I'm gonna call. I nodded again. This next one might seem odd. But I want to take you to my condo, mine and my boyfriend. Get you washed up. Maybe get you some clothes. She pushed her chair back, ready to flee. I'm not gonna be your girlfriend, your toy. I'm a dyke, but I'm not for sale. You want that, you picked the wrong gal. Thanks for the food. That was cool, but I think I've gotta go. I made no move to stop her, but I had to say something. You leave, you stay, your call. We're in this for our own reasons, Greg and me. It's not about sex. Just about helping folks out on a limb. She didn't leave, just stood there. Looked out the window at the evening coming on, the air getting colder. I don't need a girlfriend. Greg and I have each other. We know how hard it can be, here at the end of the world, having nobody, nowhere to go. We've been there. And Mrs. Pham's interview would go easier, if you smelled better. That's all. She looked down at her clothes, offended. Looked back at me. Surprised me by laughing. Okay, I'll go. I guess I gotta trust somebody. I trusted Trevor, he trusts you. I guess that means you aren't a perv. Right? I smiled, agreed. We got up, dumped our trash, headed off the boardwalk and across the sand. What's the deal with the phone job? Why the turnover? Will I have to suck up to noxious rich dudes? She was honestly interested. The opposite. You get to tell them nope. It's not gonna work like that. You're gonna have to pay for what you've done. Can you do that? Tell entitled jerks they're gonna have to pay? Take their shit and dish it right back? She looked like she'd found a door to heaven. Fuck yeah. I mean, yeah. I can do that. I believed she could do that. I believed Nick was going to work out. Greg liked her. I saw it the moment we came in. He smiled, put out his hand, introduced himself. So, Nick? Get washed up. I'll put some frozen pizza in the oven. Be ready when you are. We'll talk then. She gave him a grateful look, made a beeline for the bathroom. Where'd you find this one? I explained the Trevor connection. He smiled at that, impressed. Heard her story as I remembered it while he fired up the oven, got out some canned drinks. How is she? My question, and he understood what I meant. Healthy, nothing urgent. What did you feed her? Looks like she swallowed a small animal. Nothing for days before that. Anyway, she's relaxed, she trusts you. Unarmed. No money, no ID, not even a wallet. Getting the Greg Radar picture of a person was so helpful, I kissed him before answering. He didn't complain, just accepted my casual affection as his due. She says she woke up over a bar, some back alley place, Eastwoods? And it was gone. He nodded, unconvinced. How about I check that out, while you two settle in? Tell her she's staying tonight, sleep on the couch. Easier to bond if I'm scarce. I'll be back in an hour. Tomorrow, I'll take her for a fitting than this rooming house you found. Since I manned phones in the morning that seemed the best solution. Get her settled, comfortable, confident. Signed up as an employee. Have to figure that out, my first new hire. He split. Nick came out all wet-haired and looking human. 
We drank pop on the porch, got up when the pizza went ding. Fetching a slice apiece, we retired back to the porch. Greg split? He work nights? Nah, he's off, finding something. Be back in an hour, he said. Nick looked curious but unworried. Getting used to our different ways, I guess, no longer suspicious. I remember how things looked different when warm, fed, housed. Greg asked if you'd stay on the couch tonight, go with him to the tailor tomorrow, then find that rooming house. While I get you squared away at work, get you signed up anyway. Taylor? I got no money. How am I gonna pay for that? I considered giving her the better clothes gets better jobs spiel, thought maybe no. She'd figure that out in her own time. The tailor is my sister, Kang. She'll do this for us. For full rate, Kang was not gonna do a freebie for anybody. She had a business to run. But Nick doesn't have to know that. Nick accepted that, finished her pizza and drink. Maybe I'll sack out for a bit. I'm pretty bushed. It was exhausting being homeless. Bad sleep, cold all the time, sore from benches and cement. I got her a pillow from my room, under the bed. An extra blanket. She took them, arranged herself on the couch, was out like a light. Gregory. Hey, good morning. Nick had slept maybe twelve hours. It was already nine, Jill off to work long ago. Bathrooms available. She nodded groggily, staggered off to pee. I had made a peanut butter bagel just in case, knowing she was about to wake from the state of her bladder. I had my coffee, poured one for her when she reappeared. Had scrubbed the sleep away, still not fresh because her clothes were pretty rank. She eyed the bagel, took it when I tilted my head go ahead. Coffee, and she was pretty much back to normal. I found this. I had her wallet in a kitchen drawer, pulled it out, handed it over. She raised both eyebrows, maybe impressed. In a trash can, front of Eastwoods. She frisked it, found her license, ID there, some pictures. No cash. In front? The stairs, van was in back. Seems like I was wrong about the band robbing me. They snuck out in the night. Front would have been locked. Pickpockets hang out in Eastwoods. You were likely an easy mark. She agreed but still annoyed at being abandoned. They likely didn't know her wallet was gone. Didn't know she was gonna be left homeless. I'd let her figure that out herself. You haven't asked me how I did that. I was just curious. Well, you're the finder, right? Ack. Does everybody know my deal, now? I've thought I was some big secret for years. It seems every homeless girl knows. I nodded resigned. She saw my disappointment. Hey, Trevor told me. Said Jillian and you were an item, good people. A famous beachcomber with a sixth sense for finding valuables, always saving people's good time, getting their stuff back. Thanks for doing that for me, by the way. Okay, so I had maybe not been very discreet. Every time I found something with an ID, I looked for the person or turned it in at a bar or club where I was known. I guess that makes a reputation. You ready to head out? We have a tailor to visit, get you into some work clothes. Something else to change into anyway. She seemed willing, not going to be surprised by anything. I had a sense it was important to her, to look like she was cool with any situation, a woman of the world. I could work with that. It's not far. Bus is not so crowded this time of year, but it's a beautiful day, let's walk. We headed down, across the sand, through the strip, two blocks further and turned on the Nguyen Street. This was new territory for Nick, she was a little intimidated, tried not to show it. Through the door with the little bell, Fuang greeting me effusively, sized up my companion as I spoke. Mr. Nguyen, would you be so kind as to fit my young friend Nick with something appropriate for work, something for leisure? Whatever she might need. He smiled, called. Customer. Through the beaded doorway, playing the face of the shop to Kang's seamstress employee, emerging from the back with cloth tape measure around her neck. Full suit first, Miss Nick? Something for HM, an office? Nick looked at me, unsure. Yes, please. She's working with Jillian now. Kang had her remove the leather jacket, took it from her, fingered it for a moment, clearly interested. Putting it aside, she had Nick turn once, seeing everything, missing nothing. And I suspected, appreciating what she saw. Kang disappeared in back, returned with several dress shirts, no collar, three button. Not quite formal office wear, still very presentable. Probably a good call. Nick didn't seem the frilly linen shirt sort. Fuang picked through them in his critical way, observing Nick under his bushy eyebrows, stopped when he got to one that Nick reacted to, selected that one. Simple placket, no lapel, double sewn. Kang made notes. Trousers. Kang disappeared, reappeared with twill-tapered trousers. No frills, but good stuff. Fuang compared the selected blouse against each pair, selected a pair with button fly unhemmed. 
pleased to check the fit? Kang took Nick in hand ushered her through to the back for a fitting. Shall we sit? Enjoy some tea? I took Fuang's invitation gracefully, sat after him at his small tea table, accepted a cup. Answering his unasked question. Jillian's new friend. Jill's recruiting staff for her office, found this young lady at loose ends on the strip. Fuang understood that meant homeless and hungry. Have you observed, in your way, anything of note? I considered. She's had a rough life. Some broken bones, collarbone, healed well. Perhaps a bicycle accident? Tough woman. So she was taken care of at some point. But on her own now, for some time I think. Been hungry lately. Her family was not tolerant of some life choices. Fuang tissed and sipped his tea. Neglecting your family, especially children was a capital crime in Fuang's view. Meanwhile the ladies were going through the fitting routine. Nick stripped, braless, not really needing one, tried on the shirt in front of a mirror. Kang touched, tugged, pressed the shoulder arms, hips with professional concentration. At the same time she managed to feel every inch of the contour of Nick's torso. Nick seemed agreeable, watching it happen in the mirror. Her pulse quickened a bit, blood flowed to her skin increased. Arousal? Cool, nice for them. Fuang enjoyed our tea ritual, commenting on his latest local sport betting, a win on an underdog in the league. I made the appropriate noises, admiring his keen judgment of sporting form, asked what matchups were imminent. The pants went much the same, tugged up over significant calves and thighs, skin tight. Fitted around her hips, bunning snugly. Binding here and there, I noticed as Kang noticed, running her hands down her waist, her butt, her legs. More notes in her book. The leather jacket was produced, commented on. Nick was smiling, proud of what was apparently a significant piece of apparel. Kang's comments provoked some laughter. The jacket was put aside carefully. Time for a work jacket? We made no selection, but Kang seemed certain it was necessary. She produced a long-sleeved high-waisted fitted jacket with shoulder pads, a strap collar, a short zipper down the front. It was similar to the twill shirt in style but shorter, almost what I'd call Toreador length but closed in front. Nick struggled into it, snugged the zipper. She looked fantastic, stared at herself in the mirror, mouth slightly open, twisting this way and that to see it from all angles. Made an appreciative comment to Kang, who was well pleased. Coming out, Kang proudly, Nick shyly, we admired the fit as Nick turned slowly, finally assumed a model pose, getting used to the attention, grinning. Nick that looks like a million bucks on you. Mr. Nguyen, you have again outdone yourselves. Fuang beamed, well satisfied. We will be pleased to have three suits and that jacket prepared at your convenience. In colors you deem compatible. Kang made the note. Fuang clapped. Casual wear. Will we be wanting fall weight? Winter weight? Button down? Perhaps a knit? Nick was out of her element, deferred to Kang, already aware she was the expert here. Kang did not hesitate, retreated and returned now with cotton tops, heavy cloth, again no collar. Fuang took them one at a time, considered them while considering Nick, looked for a reaction. The no-sleeve strap shoulder top was a no-go. The turtleneck got a recall from Nick. Kang frowned, apparently thought Nick would look good in that. A simple butch oval neck long sleeve got the best reception. Fuang selected it. Kang fetched a selection of pants, various lengths, no belt loops. Of these Nick seemed ambivalent until Fuang got to a straight-waisted tapered leg pair with a pinstripe, really a pattern in the weave. She lit up, and Fuang requested a fitting. Back to RT. Fuang returned to the subject of my protege. Has Nick proved a reliable young person? I considered my answer. I've known her only a short time, a day really. I know she survived hardship in good spirits. Was prepared to refuse my help, our help over matters of principle. And she has been a courteous houseguest. Fuang accepted that. I knew those things would resonate with him. Attitudes about hardship, principle, courtesy ranked high in his esteem. I pry, only because Kang is showing interest in this woman. You may have noticed? Of course, more so than I. I have learned to be cautiously optimistic regarding Kang's choices in. Friends. Jillian is of course a spectacular example of her good taste. I smiled broadly at that. Fuang wanted Kang to be happy. That was his only goal. In his old-fashioned view that included parental involvement in social affairs. That meant, vetting her girlfriends. I was unaware of any possible previous per choices. Kang was a firecracker, impulsive, emotional, violently creative. I could imagine some of her adventures may have had a rocky end. Meanwhile Kang helped Nick out of her clothes, in the guise of being careful with the cloth but clearly enjoying running hands over shoulders, arms, legs. Not so much hips, Nick didn't seem to have any. 
The new clothes went on without a hitch. Struggling into the top, Kang openly admired Nick's bare chest, stomach. Once she pulled her head through the neck hole, Nick caught sight of Kang's stare, colored prettily. More than colored, had other responses that indicated arousal, excitement. Reminds me, we'd have to stop by a department store for clean underthings. These were rank and getting more so by the minute. The pants needed hemming. Kang knelt with pins in her mouth, tried different lengths. Nick preferred an over-the-boot cut, showing some sock. A butch girl thing, I think. What do I know? Looked nice, stylish without being pretty. Nick asked her some question. Kang nodded, produced a leather jacket, slipped it over her shoulders. And Shazam Nick looked a million bucks, a fashion plate runway model vision of sheet butch. Nick stared, her mouth open, then turned and impulsively gave Kang a hug. Kang's face buried in her shoulder was adorable, excited and self-satisfied and lustful all at once, all pretense of professionalism erased. Only I get to see those secret expressions, when folks are totally open and not hiding anything. Not knowing I can see. I try to treat that knowledge carefully, a trust, to be valued and kept private. Helps me understand people better. They talked a bit more, and not about fashion I think. Kang then took her hand, led her out to us, to show off that I lit up like a proud uncle. Nick! That is amazing! What a good look on you! She posed again, thumb hooked in waistband, hip thrust out, shoulders back, knee bent, smiling. I laughed, showing my appreciation. Fuang was beaming, pleased the customer was happy. What he made of lesbian fashion, I have no idea. He cannot have grown up with rough butch girls wearing leather, I don't imagine. He'd grown a lot since coming to America. Perhaps to like that? Three? Yes, three sets, in suitable colors. Kang had given me the look that said don't be cheap. I could not endure that look, not from Kang. My girlfriend's sister had me wrapped around her finger. The account would just cover this expense, so no money changed hands at the moment. More tactful since Jillian likely didn't want Nick knowing what it cost or feeling beholden. Of course that just meant the dress bill would be even more shocking when it arrived. The finished goods were to be delivered. But where? Mr. Nguyen, do you know the rooming house owned by the fams? He nodded, quite familiar with the entire Vietnamese business landscape. Our current plan is to get Nick lodged there. So if delivery could be made? If expectations change, I can let you know. That done, Nick changed back into her original street clothes, we said our goodbyes. Outside. You'll need clean underwear, socks, and that sort of thing. Not in Mr. Nguyen's line. We'll try Gimbal's? Not the national chain, a local family of a similar name. Nick seemed cautiously agreeable, but when we went in and saw how upscale it was, she balked. I won't tell you how to feel about this. But I do have to answer to Jillian. I send you to work improperly dressed, I have to live with her disappointment. And what would Kang say? That was enough to get her to look. Once she saw the goods, felt the fabrics, her resistance faded. She selected a minimum of underwear and a plain print, heavy socks suitable for boots that I suggested a cool weather jacket. She wanted a hoodie which the nice sales lady came up with, not too expensive. Nick noticed that I paid with crumpled bills, weathered and worn. She didn't comment, probably figured it was part of the finder lifestyle. And she was right of course that I arranged delivery to the fans which took some explaining. I don't think Gimbal's delivered to rooming houses very often. Paid the exorbitant delivery fee while Nick was looking at boots. Next, the fans? Nick seemed reluctant. I don't want to show up like this. Smelling like this? If it's not too much bother, could I maybe do some laundry first? Great idea. Let's head back to the condo, get that sorted, make some lunch. We'd started late, and it was long past the lunch hour that I loaned her one of my t-shirts, a pair of shorts and Jillian's room to change in while I heated up soup. Yes, sad bachelor can soup, that's the level I had descended to. I hope Nick wouldn't mind. Handing her a bag of quarters from last Saturday's walk on the beach, the ice cream trolley had a set path, which was positively paved and lost change, I steered her to the building's laundry room. The soup was bubbling when she returned, bowl set out, a bagel popped from the toaster. She accepted it without hesitation, ladled herself some chicken noodle, sat at a stool to slurp and chew. Like a proper comfortable house guest. Our relationship was improving. She looked very different in a t-shirt and shorts, and nothing else. More vulnerable. She saw me looking, smiled. You've been more than kind. I know it's more than I can ever repay. I shrugged. There's all kinds of recompense. Jillian needs to help. It feeds her soul. And whatever Jillian needs, I'm on board with. It's not really a burden for us. She looked around the condo, nodded. This place had to cost a bundle. You could almost hear her thinking. 
I inherited when my parents died, and my uncle, an only child. And my expenses are minuscule. This place is my only extravagance. She cut to the chase. I don't want to mess up what you have, you and Jillian. But if I can do anything to help you too, to please you, I'd do it. That includes sex. It's all I have, all I can do for you. I blushed, I admit it. Not used to strong fit women throwing themselves at me, not so bluntly. I took my time to respond. I'm flattered. She knew what was coming next. You are a catch, and I imagine really nice in bed. But I'm involved with Jillian, love her in fact. That's not something I want to upset. Jillian is in charge of herself, her own body. I'll pass on your very exciting offer. She'll answer any way she likes. I won't even pretend to know what her answer will be. And it will be cool, however she decides. She took that in stride. Probably a better answer for her, than a threesome. Not really into guys was my guess. Something was still bothering her. You guys sleep in separate rooms? None of my business, but I just thought maybe there was something I could do to relieve tension. That's why I offered. Jillian had some trouble recently, with a guy, I won't say boyfriend, a predator really, not my place to say more. Nick got that. I imagine she'd met her share. That set her back some. We're working through it. When she's ready, if ever, she'll let me know. Until then, as I said, her body is her own. I'm content to wait. Jillian is worth any weight. That surprised her, impressed her, I could tell. I can always tell. Facial expressions are just the tip of the iceberg, the only thing most folks ever learn to control, to hide, to fake. As long as we're bearing our souls, I admit I'm surprised at your offer. I understood it was a deal-breaker when you met Jillian. Her turn to color. That was because she was a stranger, might have been a predator. I didn't know her goals. Now that I do, see what a stand-up woman she is, well that changes things. Changes everything. I'm allowed to change my mind, right? I nodded certain of that. You're allowed to want anything your heart tells you. I'm never going to second-guess other people including you. I've got my own issues, and I own them. Learning to own them, Jillian is helping with that. I get it. All friends now, all our cards on the table, lunch went on splendidly from there. We shared stories, about music and travel and people we've met. Kang is wonderful. What a talent. But I wonder, she's Jillian's sister? I smiled. Kang has a dream, since she was little. She always knew she had a sister somewhere, not back in Vietnam. Nobody left alive there since the war. Some shock from Nick. She was young, not yet encountered that situation so personally. She hit it well, but the heart always gives it away. Jillian had no family either, long story. When they met, when I introduced them, it fell into place. They were meant to be family, sisters in spirit. Them and nobody else, because the finder found Jillian, brought them together. What the finder does, apparently, finds the lost. Mouth open, forgetting to chew, this was not how Nick expected it to go. Remembered to close her mouth, swallow. A smart one, Nick used to alternate lifestyles I guess, since she had no more questions, just accepted it all. Unrelated strangers forming a family? Well good for us. Mysterious finder that determines their fate? Sure, why not? After a nap, some catching up for Nick after her days of stress. For me, after my late night of finding, the dryer dinged and Nick had changed into warm, fluffy, clean clothes. We headed for the fam's dot along the trek and uphill the last half mile. I was puffing by the end, but Nick didn't seem to notice. The young, finding the place was no trouble. Jillian had said it stuck out because of the yard. She wasn't kidding. Blooms, decorative plantings everywhere, appealing gingerbread. A joy, Mr. Fam was not in evidence, nor Mrs. Fam. We clambered onto the porch, knocked. Waveo. Sounded from inside. Nick took that as our signal, tried the door, went right in. I followed Dot a curious entryway, quaint. A dining room to one side, and a voice calling. Xian Chow. An older woman who must be Mrs. Pham, sorting colored beans and bowls. Nick, to my everlasting surprise, answered in kind. Chow Chow B.A.C. Mrs. Pham was surprised as well, looked up with a beatific smile. She rattled off a series of quick comments in Vietnamese, my ability to understand exhausted. Nick was not confounded in the least and responded rapid fire. Her Vietnamese sounded good to my untutored ear. They continued to converse like a young woman and her auntie, polite and friendly. When Mrs. Pham gestured toward me, Nick said something that got them both chuckling. Good old Greg. Good for a laugh. I was clearly out of my depth and superfluous to the proceedings that I was allowed to sit while they chatted, discussing the house and its setup, pointing upstairs, at the kitchen, the dining room. At one point Nick was given a key from Mrs. Pham's keering, 
which sealed the deal as far as I could tell. When they finished, Mrs. Pham back to her being still smiling, Nick read me in. I've got the room, like Jillian said probably my first week's wages but still a good deal. The store delivered my stuff, it's inside the back door, in the kitchen. She approves of that department store, part of why she likes me. I doubted that, it was all about charm, charm and fluent Vietnamese. I'm good here. I'll move in, which is just carrying that stuff upstairs. If you've got nothing else on the agenda, I guess I can stay here, and let you have the rest of your day back? I'll probably explore the neighborhood, stretch my legs. Oh, Mrs. Pham said to tell you, I'm in good hands, they'll take care of me, don't worry any longer. She smiled at that, amused that I played the role of concerned uncle that I remembered my one important fact, said it now. Jillian requests the pleasure of your company tonight, to discuss the details of your employment. Around dusk for supper. Come any time earlier, don't want you getting lost in the dark. She agreed, waved, headed through the dining room after her stuff, completely at home. I nodded politely to Mrs. Pham, made my retreat through the parlor and out. So she starts in, chattering in Vietnamese like a native, leaving me staring dumbly, my mouth hanging open. Jillian thought that hilarious, laughed along with Nick. Nick felt she had to explain. I worked in a Vietnamese restaurant, hostess then waitress, for two years, back at, back when I was a kid. Mr. Zhang had no English so I had to learn fast. I guess I was young enough, it seemed easy at the time. I finished my story. It was all over but the shouting then, Mrs. Pham had already fallen in love with her. We were old friends now, happily chowing down over Jill's lemon garlic chicken. Heavenly comfort food, my favorite. I'd made the salad. Well, I'd chopped. Nick had arrived early, told me what to do. When Jill got home, before Nick came, I recounted my day leaving out that embarrassing part with Mrs. Pham. I'd mentioned the sex talk I'd had with Nick. I'd promised I would. Jill had gone all soft, look touched at Nick's offer. The sweetie. She's so nice. But she'd not been forthcoming, and I'd not pressed her. Something the two of them would work out, I'm sure. I didn't worry about that stuff anymore. Mr. Pham is a trooper. Has that place looking like a flower shop? With his bum leg still he gets around, gets it all done. Nick was clearly a different person from the one we'd met. Clean and rested, comfortable and confident. It was a tonic to the spirit. And to think, all started because Jillian made the effort, reached out and did what was necessary. So what did you think of my sister? My grandfather? Jillian was still getting used to having a nuclear family. She felt quite proprietary about them. I hoped Nick would clue into that and say nice things. Mr. Nguyen is a dear. So polite, so civilized. I could eat him up with a spoon. And Kang. A genius. She took me, a goofy awkward butch kid, and made me look like, like, somebody who knows what they're doing with clothes. I chimed in. It'll take your breath away, when she comes to work in that outfit. And the casual clothes. Something from a movie poster. Jillian was beaming, proud of her family. Nick had something more to add. I, I invited Kang on a date. If it's okay with you. I can say no, I came down with something, if it's a problem. Jill laughed. Like I tell my older sister who she dates? Foo. Have a good time. You know she'll tell me all about it after anyway? Nick's turned to blush. She changed the subject. I'm really looking forward to my first day on the job. Jillian had arranged her employment. The boss had left it all to her, like she'd promised. A good boss. I'll have to wear this. King won't have my clothes before the weekend. Something about a wedding? Jillian nodded. Apparently, I was the last to know about anything, which was okay. As long as they told me the important stuff, where to go, when to show up, what to wear, who to pay. Stuff I was good at. I think I'm gonna like dealing with, um, folks needing bail. You mean criminals. Dirtbags and arrogant assholes. We can say it here, between us. At work it's clients, important to keep it professional. Nick smiled, a predatory smile, clearly ready to get down and dirty with men trying to push her around. She'd hold all the cards this time, which excited her no end. She was a perfect find for Jillian. A win all around. This job was going to be good for Nick. Let her get some of her bottled up aggression and frustration out. I hope she'd be able to keep it up, keep it professional. Earn some banks so she could branch out later. I brought out some cannelloni I got, a shop on the strip. It was new. I didn't know how long the place would last. Cannelloni? At a beach? But it was to die for, and I was happy to share it with my friends. The women made appropriate noises, lapped it up. Drank the wine, chatted. 
In the end Nick stayed over again. They go to work together in the morning. Nick had to learn the way anyway. I went to bed early. Let them have their workmate time. I knocked on Jillian's door. Good morning. Saw her wake with a start. A bit of a hangover. I had the cure in the blender, ready. Nick had fared better, had a larger capacity for alcohol. She showed no signs of headache, waking more slowly, stretching, contented. In Jill's bed. Naked. I left them to sort out the bathroom, the shower, the clothes while I made coffee and toasted bagels. Today, cream cheese and lox. From a good deli, up the hill in the ritzy neighborhood, brought home yesterday after my trip to the fams. Jill came out first, hair wet, putting on her work blazer, cringing at the kitchen lights. I handed her the glass, and she shot it down without hesitation, grimace, burped. Ready for solid food? I was only half joking, but the protein in the cream cheese would be a big help. She took the bagel from me, bit without noticing, actually smiled at the taste. Looked at what she'd eaten, got a little alarmed. Raw fish? Smoked salmon, not the same thing. Really the same thing, but folks' objection to raw fish was almost entirely mental. Calling it smoked made it okay. She decided it was okay. Tasty! Picked up an empty cup, held it for me to fill with coffee. Sleep well? I asked coyly. I knew she had. She'd come at least once, I could tell from her blood flow, the state of her nervous system, the flex in her muscles. Unmistakable. She blushed but held her ground. Nikki needed to feel she's reciprocating. And it would have been cruel to make her sleep on the couch again. I agreed. Probably half the reason your hangover isn't any worse. Good rest is the right start to her first day on the job. Jill got all businesslike. Nick! Get a move on! Leaving in five minutes! Nick was coming out of the shower, naked, dashed down the hall into their room for her clothes. Grinned at me on the way by. Completely unselfconscious, friendly. What a woman. I wrapped a whole stuffed bagel in a napkin for Nick, filled a paper cup with coffee, put a lid on it. She'd have to eat on the way dot on the dot five minutes later she came out, dressed in her mostly clean clothes, ready to hit the road. I handed her the cup and bagel on the way out the door, got a peck from Jill, stood and watched them head up the street, chatting and making good time. Jillian. It's over the Thai place downtown, second floor, Crenshaw Bail Bonds. She's the boss, Crenshaw. I tried to get a job at that place, the Thai place. Tried all the places downtown. End of season, restaurants aren't hiring. How did you find this job? I didn't lie, I just didn't give the whole story. Greg found it. He was looking for some place overworked, too busy, bottlenecked on one person. So I could swoop in and solve their problems. That didn't really answer her question, but Nick let it lay. Greg was a singular person, Nick had been told that, had seen for herself. This was just another part of the curiosity that was Greg. He found me a job? Of course, he was the finder dot we had arrived. Into the lobby, up the elevator had to wait for one, rats. Down the hall, through the door into bedlam. Crenshaw was busy on the phone, angry, talking in staccato bursts to somebody on the other end, slacker guy standing at her desk, looking scared. Everybody else was standing in little groups, upset, excited, talking loudly. Only Kelly was keeping her cool. Kelly! This is Nick, the new person. Nick took her hand, shook. What's the kerfuffle? A runner. Boss is contacting a bounty hunter. She likes to jump on these things fast, before they get far. Clock's ticking, she can get them back. Appear before the judge by two, the bond is not forfeit. Whose client? Kelly indicated with her chin, slacker guy, now the target of the boss wrath. Apparently he didn't bet the client, a vacationer, a flight risk. Didn't even ask, just check the box. They've ghosted their hotel, probably headed to the airport. He wrote a sweet deal. The boss will be out a bundle if this doesn't end well. Nick was lapping it up. This happened often? Her eyes were bright. Kelly shook her head. Not if we do our job right. Should never have accepted the contract. He wanted to look good, write a lot of paper. Now it's bit him, hard. It was almost the hour. My job to get the office put right. The boss was clearly occupied. Folks. Phones live in three minutes. And we're down one. Fortunately I brought a new guy. Everybody, this is Nick. Kelly, would you do the honors, square Nick away? Use my desk. I'll take number 12, or maybe number 2, we'll see. Number 12 was unoccupied. Number 2 was slacker guy's desk. I didn't see him lasting the morning. Neither did anybody else. By the nodding heads when I mentioned taking number 2. The crew separated, found their desks. By the time the line went live most folks were ready for it. 
Kelly was speed-reading Nick in on the job. Nick was eating it up like candy. They clearly were a good fit, Kelly saying everything once, Nick totally attentive, nodding regularly. By three minutes after they were both seated, answering phones that I listened into Nick's first call. Not hard. Traffic violation, property damage, some neighbor dispute, hot tempers. Easy peasy, technically a violent crime so a bond was necessary but a local property owner, no flight risk, good job. Nick asked the right stuff, didn't take any guff, quoted the schedule rate, got it dot I left them to it. Kelly could handle Nick, let her do her job dot I checked in with the boss. Jill, would you kindly escort Mr. Dewey to the street? We're all done here. Dewey looked resigned. There were worse things than being fired. Like being liable for the thousands he'd likely lost the company. I thought he was getting off light. Talk to me when you get back from that. I put a hand on Dewey's shoulder, turned him toward the door, marched him out of the office. He didn't resist. He was a lightweight anyway. A kid really, cake, couldn't have resisted if he'd wanted to. And I had Nick, who I figured could handle herself if I called on her for backup. All eyes swiveled, followed the walk of shame. Dewey had the good grace to turn red. He walked faster. I in the hall he tried to say he had it from here. I could go back. I was having none of it. Boss said street. I'd see him to the street. The elevator ride was very quiet. I kind of enjoyed it. No pressure for me, but I could see him sweating. Probably had somebody he'd answer to at home. Not looking forward. I held the street door for him. Stood in it as he went down the steps, waited until he was down the block. He didn't look back. Back up to the boss office, knocked, when it just as she finished with another phone call. My bounty hunter is at the airport, waiting. They won't get far. Have to buy a ticket, she's there ready for him. What I want you to do next is go through the last week, two weeks, find all Dewey's tickets, review them. Call their lawyer, or call the client direct. Make sure there's actually somebody on the other end to appear. I don't want any more surprises. Do I tell them a story? The boss considered. Tell them, there's an issue with their bond. Please answer a few questions and you'll clear it up. Most folks don't want any risk of going to a cell. They'll answer pretty readily. In the end, a lawyer looks bad if their client runs. The judge would castigate them, wasting court's valuable time, start refusing bail to their clients in future. Not a reputation a lawyer wants. Use that to your advantage. Got it. The boss pulled open a file drawer, pulled out two files, handed them over. I sat at number two, making a point of it, spreading the files out, began sorting. In ten minutes I had 150 slips. Should have been over 300. Dewey was indeed a slacker. Made it easier for me I guess. This was gonna take hours even so. I had a brilliant notion. Sorted them by lawyer. I called the lawyer first. I could maybe cover several clients at once. Second sort. By value. The high value bonds were a bigger risk. Anything over a thousand. My priority. Most of those were with two firms. Specializing in criminal law. Six or seven lawyers involved. Start there. After two phone calls I knew it was not going to be easy. Lawyers are pretty canny. They owe their allegiance to their client. They smelled something right off. Guessed what was going down. Tried to bluff, say their clients were all available to appear. I didn't let them get off so easy. Went down the list, questioned every name, address, appearance date. Flight risk, solvency, community ties, mental state. Asked all the questions Dewey had skipped. By lunch, I had reduced my list by 40. Everything in order so far. Over a hundred thousand in bonds vetted. I took that to the boss, got her okay on my method. She suggested I stop when I got to 500. That would reduce the list by another 50. That still left 60, at a score of lawyers all over town. Gonna be a slog. I would have to work over lunch. No lunch dates arranged, but I'd anticipated going with Nick, celebrate her first day. Rats. Kelly? You have lunch plans? Could you take Nick somewhere, show her a good place? Get her back on time? My dime. Thanks. I shelled out a couple twenties, congratulated Nick on an exciting first shift. And oh, lawyers working over lunch. I'd have to call clients direct. At a couple minutes per call, this was gonna take just that many more hours. Not bad. The clock ticked slowly. I made calls, talked to clients, talked to spouses. Talked to adult children, just chatting making sure things sounded okay on their end. It was a good sign if they took my call seriously, meant the person was likely there and at risk of being reincarcerated. I figured the real tell would be if they didn't seem concerned, didn't remember the appearance date. That might mean there was nobody to appear, they'd already skedaddled. When Kelly and Nick got back chatting like two old friends, I was down to maybe 30 slips. I'd tag two of concern, one a disconnected phone, 
the other a vacuous spouse who didn't seem to know or care where their husband was. I took those to the boss. She scanned the slips, sighed. This is not actually too bad. The normal default rate is never zero. You gonna send somebody over? Check them out? She shook her head. I could pay a bounty hunter 200 to make a house call. Verify they skipped? I'm 200 more in the hole, each, and still nobody appears. These two slips don't add up to 1500. I'm gonna cut my losses. It's a better deal. Get you back on a desk. Write some more paper. Make some more premiums. We're ahead that way. How's the new hire working out? Nick? Have to ask Kelly. I don't anticipate any problems. In fact, I have high hopes for Nick. Well-spoken, aggressive, hard worker. A damn sight better than Dewey, at any rate. The boss wanted to ask me something. I waited. You have any suspicions about Dewey? I looked guilty, answered her straight. Yes. I knew Dewey was a slacker, not picking up aggressively, late to shift, late back from lunch. I was expecting to replace him, soon as I had another candidate. I didn't know he was writing bad paper. The boss sighed. Anybody else you have reservations about? I didn't want to slander anybody, but I was paid to give it to her honestly. Number nine is slow. Big, hairy guy. But not slow like Dewey. Arrives on time, ready in his seat. Takes his time on each call. I think he's chatty. Maybe he writes better paper that way. I have no way of telling. I have no problem with that. Better paper is preferable to more paper. But now you've seen it, you know what to look for. Don't let another Dewey get past you. That seemed unfair. I hadn't hired Dewey, wouldn't have hired him. But I was paid to run the office, so the buck stops here. Yes, ma'am. Sorry, ma'am. It won't happen again. It better not. I could read between the lines my job depended on this. She smiled a grim smile. Take somebody off the line to help with the rest of those slips. I want it all in the can by end of day. I nodded was dismissed. Kelly was glad to pitch in, and we had it in the can half an hour before quitting time. Only one more default, and that was because the guy had died. Old fellow, probably some dementia, assaulted a cashier. Sad end. I asked Kelly how to handle that. Right deceased on the slip, handed in. The boss will call the clerk, get a death certificate. We'll get a partial bond refund, minus paperwork fees. That done, it was time to head home. Kelly and Nick together, back to the boarding house, chatting like sisters. Me to mine, by myself. Alone tonight. I don't know what I had been expecting there that Nicky would continue to hang out at our house. Silly. Have sex with a girl once, I expect we're buddies? Well, she sexed me up, I didn't do much. Still. It was a long walk, I was in charge of the office. Clearly both hiring and firing. It was a bright spot in the day, getting that made plain, had made my first hire. Another success. And after my first hire, I still had two desks to fill. Foo, Gregory, she came in pretty bummed. Never seen her so down. Apparently, work had not gone right. I could only get single syllables out of her. She didn't need me talking, or solving her problems, or validating her emotions. She needed space and pampering, time for full comfort mode. I poured wine, handed it to her, followed her onto the porch, took her shoes off when she sat, parked on the porch floor and put her foot in my lap, started massaging. When she took a large slurp, slid down giving me full access to her leg, I knew I was doing something right. When she closed her eyes, groaned, sighed, then I was making progress. Switch feet, start over on this calf, ankle. Work down the top, gently. The arch, over and under. The ball, below the toes. Careful of the blister. Fingertips probing for tender spots. Separate, tug on each toe gently, straighten and flex. She has really cute toes. She put her wine down, reached for me. I scooted up, on my knees, into her arms, into her kiss. Slid onto the seat beside her, ready for when she leaned into me, just breathing. She offered me her wine. I took a sip, held the glass until she wanted it back. When it got too chilly to sit out there, we went in and started supper. How'd Nick do? I was keeping it neutral, interested in her day but not probing for sore spots. She was great. I think this is going to be her thing. Loving the calls, the negotiation, being a hard ass. I smiled. That aligned with what little I knew of her. I like Nick. Even though she'd been sucking up to my girlfriend, literally. Especially because. She had good character, felt strongly about reciprocation. Carried her feeling on her sleeve, as my mother used to say, some silence as we ate our microwave chicken picante. Had a runner today. I raised an eyebrow, inviting more. I could guess that was a thing in her business. 
What it meant beyond that, no idea. Probably at the root of this. A subpar phone desk employee wrote bad paper, issued a bond on a flight risk. They ran. I made a stab in the dark. That had to be bad for your employee? She shrugged. He's gone. Walked him out. I did that. And the runner was retrieved. Bounty hunter at the airport ticket counter picked him up, delivered him for his court appearance. So all's well that ends well? She shook her head, decided to tell me all. I spent the day in recovery mode, reviewing all his issued paper, calling lawyers and families, looking for more skips. She was full of the jargon. Must not be a plumb task? Not bad. To be honest, not much different from taking regular calls. Same people, just different questions. I waited her out. What was getting her down? It was my fault, in the end. I knew do. The employee was not delivering. Late, lazy, indifferent. I'm in charge of the office floor, so it was my issue to catch. I didn't catch it. That doesn't sound like you. Having been burned once by a lying bastard, I felt she likely knew this guy was a similar case selfish, untrustworthy. What I didn't do was fire him the minute I arrived. Because, because I hadn't engaged with the duties, wasn't owning the job. Wasn't following my instincts and canning the worthless. She shook her head, clearly disappointed in herself. I wasn't going to argue with her, this was hers to sort out. I could engage on the topic? What does that mean to you, now? To the boss trust? What's your recovery plan? There, treat her like a peer, strategize with her. No blame throwing or apologizing for anything. No, oh you poor thing. Comments that marginalized her ability to responsibly deal with the issue. She woke up, really looked at me for the first time tonight. Tilted her head, the start of a smile. How do you do that? I looked innocent. Who me? Whatever do you mean, sweetheart? She would have punched me if she could reach me. Take what I say, turn it into a conversation instead of a pity party. Here I was wallowing in my failures. You don't forgive me like 99% of the guys in the world would. You accept it all, respond to the problem instead of to my mood. Treat me like a fucking adult. Serious now. I love you too much to ever treat you as anything else. Respect who you are and what you can do. I will never underestimate you. That got to her. I knew she was feeling beat up, a little fragile. Wanting to feel miserable for a while. Now she was learning that somebody I hope she loved had her back, was trusting her, was here for her, here with her, whatever happened. I think it hit her right in the fells. She scooted her chair back, came around and pulled me up into a hug. Nice. She's a great armful. I enjoyed the opportunity to get up against her, snuggle. Never gonna get tired of that, whispered in my ear. I want to fuck you right now, you big supportive lover man. Wow. This escalated fast. I could see, suddenly knew that she was hot as a firecracker. Her juices flowing, her sex swelling, her heart surging. Who knew loving support was hot, but I had reservations. Damn it. Damn it. I um think that would possibly be the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. Seriously. But there's a plan underway, involving you, me and Kang. Among others and address. It would be selfish of me to disappoint so many people so close to the culmination of that plan. She bit my ear. Fulak. She's making it hard. They never have to know. But you know they would. Kang will have it out of you in a minute, next girl's night. You can't keep anything from your sister. She pulled back, looked me in the eyes, looking for something. Are you seriously refusing the fuck of your life, with the love of your life, all because you respect her family too much? Want them to be happy with us, for us? I gave her a sad resigned sorry look that said more than words. A deep shaky sigh. Back into my ear, licking it this time, all. You make me wait, you better be prepared to deal with the consequences later. A sexually frustrated wildcat of a woman that wants to sex you up and spit out the bones, do things to you they never heard of, make you feel things the male body was never meant to endure, get the ever-loving living daylights fucked out of you until you are a limp shell of a man. You ready for that responsibility? I shivered, actually frightened a little. And I would probably have buckled, picked her up and carried her to my bedroom right then and there. But she pulled away, a feral look in her eye, making sure I knew she wasn't fooling, meant every word and quietly went back to her reconstituted chicken picante, calmly resumed eating. I hardly slept that night, thinking about what I had missed. Then thinking about what was to come. What have I done? Julian slept like a log all night.